remember the lady replied Fatima Muhammad wa Ali Muhammad. الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم والحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على المصطفى محمد وآله الطاهرين صلى الله عليك يا سيدي ويا مولاي يا رسول الله صلى الله عليك وعلى أهل بيتك المظلومين صلى الله عليك يا مولاي وابن وعلى أمك الصديقة الشهيدة فاطمة يا رحمة الله الواسعة ويا باب نجاة الأمة غريب يا مظلوم كربلاء يا ليتنا يا ليتنا كنا معكم سادتي فنفوز والله فوزا عظيم الله سبحانه وتعالى سلوا القرآن وقالوا ما لنا لا نرى رجالا كنا نعدهم من الأشرار in honor of the Lady of Light of Muhammad Sallallahu Muhammad wa Ali Muhammad. The Holy Quran mentioned the concept of truth and falsehood, al-haq wal-batil, in many verses, and it shed light on several realities pertaining to truth and falsehood or say pertaining to the path of truth and the path of falsehood. Hence tonight as we commemorate the martyrdom anniversary of Lady Fatima al-Zahra alayha, 
we're going to shed light on three Quranic realities that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala presented pertaining to al-haq, truth, and al-batil, falsehood. The first one is, Al-Quran al-Kareem informs us in many verses using different words that the path of truth is only one path. There's only one path of truth. Whereas, there are multiple paths of falsehood. This is a very important point. Why? Because it informs us that there's only one path of salvation. Only one path which leads the human being to true happiness in this world and most importantly in the, in the next world, in the hereafter. Where does Allah Ta'ala mention this? As we said, He mentions it in multiple parts of the Qur'an. For example, in Surah Al-Fatiha, when Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala teaches me and you how to ask for guidance, He says what? Ihdina al-sirata al-mustaqeem Guide us to the straight path. Realize He said what? He said sirat. Not surat. He said sirat, meaning one path. There's one straight path. Sirat al-ladhina an'amta alayhim. The path of those whom you blessed. Ghayr al-maghdubi alayhim. Not those who are afflicted with your wrath. Waladhalin. And not those who have went astray. Here Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is telling you that the path of the prophets alayhim wassalam, the path of their successors, the path of the awliya, the close slaves of God subhanahu wa ta'ala is what? One path. They all walk on the same path. In another verse, Allah says, وَأَنَّ هَذَا صِرَاتِي مُسْتَقِيمًا Surely, this is my straight path. Again, he uses the word what? Sirat, meaning one path. Not surut, not multiple paths. One, sirati, mustaqiman fattabi'uh. And so follow it. Now realize what he says after that. And do not follow the paths. Here he says subul, meaning multiple paths. فَتَفَرَّقَ بِكُمْ عَنْ سَبِيلِهِ Lest it shall make you divide if you follow those paths and not the straight path. What's going to happen? Number one, you will divide amongst each other. And number two, it will pull you away from the straight path. Allah Azza wa here is mentioning a very important reality. Telling us that the path of truth is only one, but there are multiple paths of falsehood. These paths might be different when you compare one to the other, but they have one thing in common. They lead you away from what? From the straight path. What's interesting is that on the day of Ghadir, 
Imam Ali al-Hadi salawatullahi wa salamuhu alayhi visited his grandfather Amir al-Mu'minin. And on that day, when he visited the grave of Amir al-Mu'minin salamullahi alayhi, Imam al-Hadi uh, recited a ziyara known today as Ziyara al-Ghadiriya. was actually composed by Imam al-Hadi. The same Imam who gave us what? Ziyara al-Jami'a al-Kabira. In Ziyara al-Ghadiriya, Imam al-Hadi tells his grandfather Amir al-Mu'minin he tells him, and I testify that you are the one Allah refers to when he says, وَأَنَّ هَذَا صِرَاطِي مُسْتَقِيمًا فَاتَّبِعُوهُ And surely this is my straight path, so follow it. Meaning, when Allah tells you in Surah Al-Fatiha, اِهْدِنَ الصِّرَاطَ الْمُسْتَقِيمِ And then in another surah, he says, هَذَا صِرَاطِي مُسْتَقِيمًا فَاتَّبِعُوهُ He's telling you, Ali, Ali is the straight path. Follow Ali and you will be guided. You will be following the path of truth. Now when we come to the enemies of Ali, what do we realize? When we come to the enemies and opponents of Amir al-Mu'mineen, we realize that they differed amongst each other. They were not united. Look at the characteristics and the behavior of the opponents of Amir al-Mu'mineen, you realize that they differed with one another. But they were united on one thing, which is pulling the Muslims away from Amir al-Mu'mineen. Let me give you a very clear example. Perhaps we presented this example before. Banu Umayyah and Banu al-Abbas. These were enemies of Ali or not? They were, right? Banu Umayyah and Banu al-Abbas, unfortunately, were enemies to Amir al-Mu'mineen and his progeny. Did Banu Umayyah like Banu al-Abbas or vice versa? No. They actually fought each other. Over what? Over the caliphate. Banu al-Abbas used the slogan, Ya Litharat al-Husayn. Vengeance for Hussein. Why? To get rid of Banu Umayyah. They clashed. They fought one another. And indeed, they were successful. They removed Banu Umayyah from the caliphate. And they took the caliphate. Once Banu al-Abbas, the people, the same people who were saying, Ya Litharat al-Husayn, gained the caliphate, what did they do? Who was their first target? The descendants of Al-Husayn, salawatullah wa salamu. So although they clashed with each other, Banu Umayyah and Banu al-Abbas, they had one thing in common, and that is we must fight the household of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa alayhi. This is exactly what the Quran is telling you. وَأَنَّ هَذَا صِرَاطِ مُسْتَقِيمًا فَاتَّبِعُوهُ وَلَا تَتَّبِعُوا السُّبُلْ فَتَفَرَّقَ بِكُمْ عَنْ سَبِيلِهِ the Quran is telling us what? That there are multiple paths of falsehood. They might be different paths, but they have one thing in common. Pulling you away from the straight path. This is the first reality that the Quran presents. The second one is what? The Quran Al-Kareem also in multiple verses tells us 
that if we want to follow the straight path, if we want to find the straight path and follow it, if we want to be on the path of truth, then we need to build our faith on what? On proofs, on evidence, on what we call in Arabic dalil, burhan, hujja. The Quran tells us that when you have a particular belief, that belief needs to be based on evidence. It cannot be based on mere whims or imaginations or thoughts or assumptions. We need proof, concrete proof. And I believe all of you know that there are two types of proof, logical proofs and textual proofs. The textual proofs are what? Al-Quran al-Kareem and the narrations of Ahlul Bayt salawatullahi wa salamuhu alayhim. When you have a particular belief pertaining to Allah or Ahlul Bayt or the close saves of God or the hereafter, that belief needs to be based on what? On proof. Hujja. On evidence. Al-Quran says this. And in fact, this is something that we can know using our intellects. Your intellect guides you to this reality if used properly. But one of the goals of the Qur'an or say one of the duties of the Qur'an and when I say Qur'an I'm talking about both Qur'ans the speaking Qur'an, Ahlul Bayt and the silent Qur'an which is the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala one of the duties of the Qur'an is to do what? To remind you of what you know through your human nature, your fatra, and through your intellect. Especially that the human being sometimes might go through a state of forgetfulness or unawareness. He might be unaware of what he knows. He has the knowledge, but he's unaware of it. The Quran al-Kareem comes to notify that human being, to wake him up. You know this. Remember. You know it. So the Quran reminds us of what? Of what we already know. And also teaches us what we do not know. Hence Allah Azza wa Jal. In multiple verses. Tells you what? Tells you that your beliefs need to be built on proofs and evidence. If you want to find the straight path and follow it. Your beliefs cannot be based on mere imaginations or assumptions. Now you might say, where does the Quran say this? In many verses. Let me give you an example. Allah says, subhanahu wa ta'ala in Surah Al-Baqarah, وَقَالُوا لَنْ يَدْخُلَ الْجَنَّةِ إِلَّا مَنْ كَانَ هُودًا أَوْ نَصَارًا He says that, the Jews said, only the Jews will enter heaven. And the Christians said, only the Christians will enter heaven. Allah replies, he says what? Tilka amaniyuhum. That is what they wish. That's their wish. Then he says, Qul, Ya Rasulallah, tell them, Hatu burhanakum in kuntum sadi. Say, bring your proof if you are truthful. Bring what? Your proof. What's your proof? 
Here the Quran is giving two messages. Number one, that statement cannot be accepted unless it's proven with a acceptable proof. Secondly, the second message is whenever you want to hold a particular belief, that belief must be based on proof, on evidence. Let me give you a second example. Allah Ta'ala mentions the polytheists in Surah Al-Mu'minun. And he says, at the end of the chapter, at the end of the chapter, he says, subhanahu wa ta'ala, before the last verse, verse 117 of Surah Al-Mu'minun. وَمَنْ يَدْعُوا مَعَ اللَّهِ إِلَهًا آخَرَ لَا بُرْهَانَ لَهُ بِهِ فَإِنَّمَا حِسَابُهُ عِنْدَ رَبِّهِ He mentions the polytheists and he says, He who calls upon a so-called God other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, this person, his reckoning, will be solely in the hands of God on the Day of Judgment. Meaning what? Meaning Allah ta'ala will reckon that person and will send him to hellfire because he was a polytheist and did not repent before it is too late. And there will be no one who can save that individual. Now you might say, all right, these words are clear, but where does Allah mention the issue of burhan, the issue of building your faith on belief, uh, on proof, sorry? Well, he says what? He says, وَمَنْ يَدْعُوا مَعَ اللَّهِ إِلَهًا آخَرٍ لَا بُرْهَانَ لَهُ He says that those who believe in multiple gods, those who call on a so-called God other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, they don't have any burhan, any proofs, proving that there is a second God or a third God or a fourth God. On the contrary. There are proofs, concrete proofs, indicating that there can only be one God. It is impossible to have multiple gods in existence. Impossible. And perhaps one day, we can have a session about Tawheed and shed light on these logical and textual proofs indicating that there cannot be a second or third or fourth so when Allah says, لَا بُرْهَانَ لَهُ بِهِ Again, He's giving two messages. One of which is what? Whenever you want to hold a belief, that belief must be based on what? On proofs. On concrete proof. Concrete evidence. This is the second reality that the Quran presents. The third and last reality for tonight is what? It is a scary reality if you think about it. Also pertaining to truth and falsehood. Allah Ta'ala in multiple verses, many verses of the Quran, tells you that unfortunately sometimes the human being will make grave mistakes because he will follow his whims and desires instead of following Allah's commands Azza wa Jal, and as a result he might reach a point of deviation such that he will believe 
that he's on the straight path, he's following the path of truth, when in reality he will be following the path of falsehood. The Quran tells you that sometimes the human being sinks so low in the ocean of misguidance to the point he imagines, he assumes, he thinks, he believes that he's on the right path. But in reality, he's on the wrong path. Where does Allah mention this? Again, in many verses. But let me mention one for tonight. And that is a verse in Surah Sad. Which surah? Surah Sad. In Surah Sad, Allah Azza wa Jal informs us about what happens to the people of hellfire. And surprisingly, he tells you that the people of hellfire will live in a state of dispute. Imagine, they're being tortured, they're being punished by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, yet they will be disputing with one another. One of them will disassociate himself from the other. One will curse the other. One will say, you're not welcome. The other will respond, no, you're not welcome. That is the state in which they'll live. Whereas the people of heaven, they will live in a state of amity, harmony, peace, mutual love, and respect. As the people of hellfire will be disputing amongst each other, the Quran tells you, Surah Sa'd says, they're going to ask a question. What's that question? وَقَالُوا And they said, مَا لَنَا لَا نَرَى رِجَالًا كُنَّا نَعُدُّهُمْ مِنَ الْأَشْرَارِ They're going to ask, why is it that we're not seeing certain men in hellfire when we used to believe that those men were evil, there are certain people they considered evil when they were in dunya. Now that they've entered hellfire, they assumed they're going to see these people who are supposedly evil in Jahannam, but they don't find them there. So they say, why is it that we're not seeing these people in Jahannam? Attakhadnahum sikhriya. Is it that we mocked them? Is it that we were mocking righteous and faithful people? People who were good? Or is it that we're just not seeing them? Our eyes have turned away from them. Meaning they're with us in Jahannam, but for some reason, we did not see them. Who are they talking about? That's the question, right? Who are they mentioning? He says, based on the wording of the verse, it seems that this will be a question posed by the people of Jahannam in general, and the question will pertain to the believers, those who will be in heaven, the likes of you, inshallah. But in the narrations of Ahlul Bayt, we have multiple narrations by the Imams. Salamullah alayhim saying that these people who will be asking about certain men they considered evil 
will be the enemies of Ahlul Bayt and they will be asking about the likes of you. The Shias of Ali Salawatullah Wasalamu Alayhi. How about a louder salawat? They'll be asking about the Shias of Ali. Why? Because they considered the Shias of Ali evil. They thought they were evil. They were bad people, right? But on the day of judgment, they realize that it was them. They were the ones who were evil. Again, there are multiple traditions confirming this point. Let me share with you one tradition tonight before we go to the tragedy of Sayyidah Fatima sallallahu alayha. When we come to the book Al-Kafi, we find a narration by Imam al-Sadiq sallallahu a long narration in which he speaks with his close companion Abu Basir rahmatullah ta'ala alayhi. He tells Abu Basir the following. He tells him, Aba Muhammad, certainly Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentioned you. Who's you? The Shias. Mentioned you when he spoke about your enemy and he mentioned the state of your enemy in hellfire. As he said, وَقَالُوا مَا لَنَا لَا نَرَى رِجَالًا كُنَّا نَعُدُّهُمْ مِنَ الْأَشْرَارِ أَتَّخَذْنَاهُمْ عَنْهُمُ الْأَبْصَارِ The Imam tells him, Salam Allah I swear by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, when Allah ta'ala mentioned these words in the Quran, he was referring to you only. Meaning, the Shias of Ali. You, O Shias, were considered by the people evil. They thought that you were evil. But then he says, although they thought that you were evil, the worst of people, you will be in heaven, I swear by Allah. You'll be in heaven. You'll be honored in heaven. You'll be rewarded by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Yet your enemies will be seeking you in hellfire be asking where are the Shias they wanted to find them there here you might ask how does this pertain how does this verse pertain to the third reality you mentioned we said the third reality is what sometimes the person follows a particular path thinking it's the right path when in reality it's the wrong one he thinks he's on the right path on the straight path. And in reality, he's on the path of misguidance. Well, look at these people. Based on the wording of the verse, you understand they believed that the followers of Ahlul Bayt were right or wrong. That they were wrong. They believed that their path was the right path. But in the hereafter, they realized they were very wrong. When Allah Ta'ala mentions this in the Quran, He's not mentioning it just for the sake of giving us extra info. No, there's a reason. Why is He mentioning this reality? Again, He mentions it in multiple verses. In order to notify us, O oh people, be careful. You must be careful. You must be very careful at finding the truth 
and clinging on to the path of truth because you're fallible human beings. Since you're fallible, you might make grave mistakes sometimes. And sometimes if you persist at committing mistakes and committing sins, you might get to a point where you start seeing what's good as bad. And what's bad as good. God forbid. Here, a very important question comes to mind. And that is, if this is the case, if there are people who actually think that they're following the straight path when in reality they're on the path of falsehood, then how do we know that we're on the straight path? How? You know you're on the straight path because you're holding on to the rope of Allah. Who's the rope of Allah? Muhammad wa al Muhammad salawatullahi alayhi. See, if the human being, the likes of me and you, us fallible human beings, if the human being depended on his own powers, on his own talents, on his own decisions, yes. It's possible he will make grave mistakes and he'll think that he's on the straight path when in reality he's on the path of falsehood. But when you hold on to people who are infallible, they never sin. They never make a mistake. They never mislead you. On the contrary, they always pull you towards guidance. Then you can never go astray. Those people are who? Muhammad, Ali, Fatima, Al-Hassan, Al-Hussein, the nine descendants of Imam Al-Hussein, salawatullah alayhim. Now we have a better understanding as to why the Prophet said in Hadith Al-Thaqalayn, surely I leave amongst you the two heavy weighties. As long as you adhere to them both, you shall never go astray. The Book of Allah and Itrati, my family, my household. They shall never separate until they come to me on the pond, meaning on the day of judgment. As long as you adhere to those two, you will never go astray. But when you let go of Ahlul Bayt and their teachings, then yes, you might reach a point where you're so misguided, God forbid, you believe that what's good is bad and what's bad is good. So holding on to Ahlul Bayt, salam. Adhering to Ahlul Bayt is necessary. Hence you find that when Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi passed away and the Lady of Light saw how there was a drastic change amongst the Muslim community, how the majority of the Muslims deviated. They went astray as they let go of Amir al-Mu'mineen and Ahlul Bayt sallallahu alayhi what did Fatima do? Fatima alayha, took a great stance. Multiple great stances. A brave, impeccable stance in support of who? Amir al-Mu'mineen and Ahlul Bayt. Against who? Against the opponents of Ali. 
those who usurp the caliphate from Amir al-Mu'mineen, salawatullah wa salamuhu Why? In order to tell all the Muslims who were present and all the Muslims who were to come in the future, in order to tell me and you and our sons and daughters and our grandchildren and all Muslims who will exist up until the Day of Judgment, that Fatima al-Zahra alayha salam, the mistress of the women of the world, the daughter of Rasulullah, the beloved of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi and one of the members of Ahlul Bayt who were purified thoroughly by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala stood against the enemies and opponents of Ali ibn Abi Talib alayhi She died angry against the enemies and opponents of Ali ibn Abi Talib. Hence anyone, and I say anyone, who looks carefully at the episode of Fatima al-Zahra salamullahi alayha after Rasulullah's martyrdom sallallahu alayhi wa will know that the truth lies with Ali and his descendants. And the path, or let me say the paths of the opponents of Ali are what? Paths of falsehood. Fatima made that wide and clear for all Muslims through her stances, through her story concerning Fadak, through her Fadakiya sermon, through her crying, alayha salam, through her objections, and especially through her stance on the day the house of Ali and Fatima was attacked. That stance in itself is more than enough. When she stood behind her door and she said, I do not allow you to enter my house. The question is, what happened? What happened? Why was the house of Ali attacked? That's a very important question and it needs a series of lectures. But let me mention a few points tonight. Very, very few points. So we go into the musibah. In short, the caliphate was usurped. And the opponents of Ali were calling people to pledge allegiance to their caliph. Some pledged allegiance, and some were forced to pledge allegiance. But they realized that even if the whole nation pledges allegiance, they've done absolutely nothing as long as Ali has not pledged allegiance. They needed Ali, salamullah alayhi, to pledge allegiance. And Ali was not going to do so. Number one, because he was the rightful caliph and successor. And number two, because if he does so, he will be misleading all Muslimin. So what did the imam choose? The imam, salamullah alayhi, chose to resist and to object, but in a peaceful manner. Because at that point, Waging war against those individuals was not in the favor of Islam or the Muslimin, especially that Imam Ali only had a handful of supporters. Traditions say he had less than 40 supporters. Imagine, less than 40. Amir al-Mu'mineen, alayhi salam. And so the Imam stayed in his house. They sent him. 
messengers telling him come out the imam would not come out until one day they sent Qunfud, who was the cousin of the second caliph with a group of people they came to the house of Ali and Fatima they told Amir al-Mu'mineen to come out however Fatima faced them meaning from behind her door and she said I forbid you of entering my house you're not allowed so they retreated except for Qunfud. when they retreated they came to the second caliph and they told him and the first caliph that Fatima alayha, did not allow us to enter we felt uneasy entering the house of Fatima alayha, without permission and so the second caliph became angry and he told his companions to carry logs of wood yes to carry logs of wood and he also carried logs of wood with him they came to the house of Ali and Fatima and placed the logs of wood around the house of Ali then that man called in a loud voice because he wants Ali to hear him meanwhile Fatima was behind her door sitting down she was depressed over the loss of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa alihi. As Fatima alayhi salam is in that state, in the house there was Fatima alayhi and the descendants, the sons and daughters of Amir al-Mu'mineen alayhi salam along with Fidda. As they were in that state, that man called out in a loud voice, Wallahi la takhrujanna I swear by Allah, oh Ali, you shall come out and pledge allegiance to the Caliph of Rasulullah. Fatima alayhi salam and Ali heard Fatima knew now is the time to take my stance Fatima alayhi salam rose and stood behind the door she told that man what business do you have with us he told her open the door or else I will set your house ablaze. Fatima Salamullah responded, Will you not fear Allah? Are you going to enter my house without permission? However, the man would not retreat, and so he told his companions to bring him a torch. They brought him the torch. And so at that point, he set the door of Fatima on fire and tried to open it. The Lady of Light placed her arms on the door to prevent him from entering. وفاطمتاه وسيدتاه 
when he saw that he could not open the door, he retreated. Then he kicked the door with his leg. The door opened. Fatima, salamullah alayya, in a tradition, faced that man. He says himself, he says, when she faced me, the light of her face blinded my eyes. So what did you do at that point? He says at that point, I slapped her cheek from over the veil. I was a I slapped her cheek so hard that her earring broke. Then he took his sword as it was in its scabbard. Sulaim says he took the sword and he struck her on her side with the sword. Fatima began calling her father Rasulullah. Then he took his whip and lashed the lady of light on her arm. Then he cornered our lady Fatima between the door in the wall and he began crushing the lady of light Iwa Fatimata so her rib broke and a nail pierced through her chest Iwa Sayyidata thus the poet says as he addresses the door of Fatima Oh, Dora Fatima, didn't you feel sorry for the rib of Fatima when it broke? Kasran wa didn't your heart break? Didn't you feel sorry for Fatima when her rib broke and she was trying to push away that man from her? Didn't the nail, he says, didn't the nail know that when it was piercing through the chest of Fatima, it was in reality piercing through the heart of Muhammad, sallallahu alayhi wa Yes, Fatima salam, was in a devastating state. However, the question is, who shall she call? Will she call Amir al-Mu'mineen, who was chained by the will of Rasulullah? No, she calls her father, saying, Oh, Father, oh, Rasulullah, is this how your beloved daughter used to be treated? <laughs> 
Then she says, oh, Fadbar, come to me. For the fetus in my womb has been killed. Yes, the miscarriage of Fatima, salamuma alayha, began. At that point, Sulayn says, Amir al-Mu'mineen, alayha salam, emerged. He came to that man, he grabbed him by the collar, and he slammed him to the ground. He struck his nose and neck and was about to kill him. But he remembered the will of Rasulullah, and so he said to that man, so that the world knows what prevented Ali from waging war against them before entering his home. He said, oh son of Sahak, I swear by you cherished Muhammad with prophethood. Had it not been for an obligation from Allah and the will of Rasulullah, you would have known that you cannot enter my house. I will conclude with this tragedy. At that point, the man began seeking help from his companions, and so they entered the house of Ali and outnumbered Amir al Mu'minin. Salamullahi they placed a rope around the neck of Ali and began dragging him to their caliph. Amir al Mu'mineen was changed by the will of Rasulullah. Sallallahu alayhi wa However, the tradition says Ali alayhi salam was looking right and left and he was saying this heartbreaking word. He was saying, Wa Hamzata. Oh Hamza. But I wish Hamza was, was here, but Hamza is not with me today. I wish Ja'far was here, but Ja'far is not with me today. Fuddah came to the Lady of Light and took her to her chamber. In her chamber, Fatima miscarried Muhsin. Salamullahi alayhi. Then she fell unconscious. My heart breaks for Hassan Hussein. Zainab and Umm Kulthum salam. Where are they supposed to go? Are they supposed to go after their father? Or are they supposed to stay with their mother or father? Turn to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. اللهم إنا نسألك وندعوك بأحب الخلق إليك محمد وعلي وفاطمة والحسن والحسين والتسعة المعصومين من ذرية الحسين فرج عنا يا الله وأسك الله عز وجل تهيسن the reappearance of صاحب الزمان to make us from his sincere followers and supporters to forgive our sins and to fulfill our needs. If anyone has a need, ask from Allah Ta'ala, will answer. 
اللهم بحق مولاتنا الزهراء عليها السلام اقضي حاجة كل محتاج لا سيما حوائج من سألني الدعاء ولا سيما حوائج الحاضرين والمشاهدين يا رب العالمين We ask Allah Azza wa Jal to heal all sick believers for the sake of the sick Imam Zain al-Abideen alayhi salam and to bless the souls of all believers who passed away, especially our dear family members and companions, those who are completely forgotten and never mentioned, the great martyrs and the noble scholars. إلى أرواحهم جميعا وإلى أرواح أموالكم وأمواتي وإلى أرواح والدي وأخي وحبيب حسين نبعث ثواب مجلسنا هذا وثواب الفاتحة تصبقها صلاة على محمد و